0: You only have so much time, and you have a big assignment. I want the entire world to hear the gospel in my generation. I want every person on this planet to be saved. We open God's Word today together to be subject to it, to be taught by it, to be instructed. Let's go. What you're saying right now is, how did we get here? Well, because people do not believe in the sufficiency of Scripture, and mm-hmm. ultimately that's where it is. Yep. Being Reformed is more than just affirming the five souls. It's more than just affirming to it. No one is outside the reach of Christ and His blood. If we are truly Reformed, there should be a sanctification, a desire to be sanctified by Christ, by holding onto as tight as we can the One who makes us white as snow. You can no more burn yourself again. Then you born yourself the first time. Just so that you guys don't think we're just pulling stuff out of our cans here. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Matter of Theology, the place where theology matters because everything is a matter of theology. My name is Chris. I am one of your hosts. Matter of Theology is a podcast production where we seek to um, address church and cultural issues from a biblical standpoint. Our desire is to bring biblical truths, uh, regardless of what the popular movements, cultures, um, random church growth movements, and or those who are overly focused on winsomeness may think thank you so much for tuning in and we are excited to be back so speaking of that welcome back (laughs) i know it has been uh it has been a minute uh since our last episode and so i just want to say thank you so much for your patience uh there has been a lot of things happening uh in in drew and i's world um you know, Drew and his family have just moved into a new house, and uh, work has been very, very crazy and busy for him. And uh, after our last episode um, with uh, where we did an interview, I did an interview with Dr. James Coates. He is the pastor of Grace Life Church in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Uh, go check that out if you haven't listened to that. We had a wonderful conversation. But after that last interview, uh, life got kind of crazy for us. Um, I won't go into. Uh, any detail really just out of, out of respect for, uh, my, my wife, but we're good. Everybody's good. Uh, we are healthy now. Um, I'll just put it that way. Um, and, uh, but, uh, you know, um, for both drew and I, our focuses needed to be elsewhere. They needed to be with and on our families as, uh, they are our first priority and first ministry, if you will. So, uh, but thank you. There've been numerous people who have reached out and said, Hey man, when are you guys coming back? Are you guys okay? Like what's going on? And I'm like, yep, we're working on some stuff. We're still working on our notes and, uh, preparing for, uh, our next episode that we're going to do together is going to be on the sovereignty of God, where we're going to address some questions uh, that have come up uh, about the sovereignty of God, and I'm going to focus on Romans uh, chapter 11 verses 33 through 36 for that episode. So um, we're almost done with that, and then we will be sitting down to record that. So depending on when you're listening to this, that may already be out. Um, if uh, if it's not, would you please do us a huge favor and pray for us? Um, as we are preparing for that, but then also, um, we do have some other things that Drew and I have been talking about uh, that that we're going to be working on. Um, so some different topics, but then also, um, yeah, I'll just keep it there. There's 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 some cool stuff coming. So uh, hang loose, stand by, stay tuned. <laughs> so, um, so what I wanted to do today. Uh, number one is to just let you guys know uh, that we are here and um, thank you for praying for us. But then also, I, I wanted to get into talking about something that um, we've we've talked about a good bit on matter of theology, and that is the sufficiency of Scripture. Um, yet, you know, more and more, day in and day out, that there seems to be this overemphasis on nuancing. Um, not only the gospel um, not only uh, that the life and death and burial and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins but there, there there's just been such a focus on those who who profess faith in Christ and that, that have tried to nuance what scripture teaches about multiple subjects and even even question the veracity and the truth the sufficiency the finality of scripture as we know it today so what I did, is um, I, I, I was digging through some notes and um, I, I found my sermon notes from um, my sermon that I preached uh, at the 2020 Cruciform Conference. And my topic was holiness and our approach to the holy scriptures and what I did is I wanted to take a look at, um, I wanted to take a look at Psalm 19, uh, seven through 14. So I exposited those texts, uh, th- those sections, those verses, that text is the right way to say that. Sorry. And, um, and so I got those notes out and I was looking through those and I- I'd been just kind of, okay, just, just looking through there and just kind of praying about how to address some of this stuff that we're seeing right now. And, um, and so I was talking to Drew, and Drew's like, "Man, I think you just should just uh, should just just go in there and just just walk through your notes, man." I'm like, "All right, cool, I'm going to do it." Um, so, uh, Drew's been working on some other stuff for his um, other podcast that he has called for life and godliness. So you definitely want to go listen to that. But this this episode right here, and and the Lord willing, what I'm about to walk through now. Um, is is an important truth for for all of us every day, day in and day out, regardless of how long you've been walking with the Lord. This is is something you need to uh, come back to often. You need to make sure that your filter is clear on this truth, and 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 that truth is this: that our approach. And, and, and how we view the word of God, which is the only perfect absolute source of objective truth in all matters of life and godliness is foundational in our being conformed more and more into the image of Christ. Like we have to make sure that as, as we continue to see things in our world just just. As far as the world goes the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life the world the the flesh the the worldly systems and even our own pride and our own sin as they was we continue to wrestle with that and wrestle with what we're seeing. We absolutely must make sure that we're never reading our we're never reading our framework or preconceived framework into the scriptures, but we are gathering our framework our worldview in all matters from the scriptures let me say that again that we are not reading our framework into the scriptures our beliefs into the scriptures we're not twisting them and molding them and trying to conform them to us but we are gathering our framework from the scriptures that scripture is conforming us the most uh, the most important pursuit the most important goal for all Christians is holiness. The, 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 the end goal of sanctification is, is what, what Paul, what the apostle Paul said in, in, in Romans chapter eight. You know, we're all familiar, for the most part, everybody's familiar with that verse 28, right? And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. But everybody stops. Everybody stops there instead of going to verse 29. And verse 29 says, Because those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed into the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers. The goal of salvation. The goal of sanctification is conformity more and more into the image of Christ. How is that done? What is the tool that God uses to conform us into the image of Christ? What is the tool that God uses to make sure that we are not simple minded? The Bible, the scriptures, the scriptures. The apostle Peter said in uh, in 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 1st Peter he said this he said as obedient children do not be conformed to the former lusts which you, which were yours in your ignorance but like the holy one who has called you be holy yourselves and all your behavior because it is written you shall be holy for I am holy that's 1st Peter 1 Holiness is the goal holiness is the standard that's the aim for all of us how are we going to get there the scriptures How are we going to navigate life? The scriptures, the infallible, inerrant, and this is the battle of our day, the 100% absolute sufficient word of God, period, period. In a day and age where you have people who profess faith in Christ, say things that are just wildly wildly asinine things like this okay this is pam keith and 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 for those who don't know pam keith is the ceo for the center for employment justice llc oh boy um she she said this in a tweet on may 6th the day after my birthday of all all things may 6 2022 said this quote where are the words of jesus in leviticus question mark you know, the ones in red. If it ain't red, it's not what Jesus said. You you don't know who said the words in Leviticus. So if you want to follow them, go ahead, but you can't call yourself a Christian, period, close quote. And she calls herself a Christian. You know, in today's world, um, statements like that are the norm, from professing evangelical Christians, from those who profess to believe in Jesus Christ, say things like that, and she's not the only one. It was Thomas Watson who said this, he said, quote, "'The scripture is the royal law "'which commands not only the actions, but affections. "'It binds the heart to good behavior. "'Where is there such holiness to be found "'as digged out of the sacred mind?' Who could be the author of such a book but God himself? Period, close quote. I mean, this is so true. Watson also said elsewhere in a body of divinity, he said the scripture pre- presses holiness like no other book did. Yet we have people today who profess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who say things like this. Well, it's not in red. If it ain't red, it's not what Jesus said. Well, people like that are showing clearly Showing clearly that number one, they most likely don't know Jesus, they know about him. They will be the ones that, as, as our Lord said in Matthew chapter 7, you know, Lord, Lord. So they acknowledge who he is, they know who he is. Did we not do this in your name? I guarantee, apart from a, a saving work of God and opening the bl- you know, taking the blinders off of this woman's eyes that when, if she dies with this belief in her heart, she will be one who said, did I not do X, Y, and Z in your name? And Christ himself will say away from me. I never knew you. Those who practice lawlessness, lawlessness. And by the way, Pam Keith here is using this in her defense to be pro abortion pro-murder, but we see, we, we see believers in the Lord Jesus Christ questioning the very sufficiency of scripture. And, and, and what we need today, what we need today are not more believers standing up and pontificating about social change, but showing in word and in deed that they believe in, and are obedient to and subject to the law, the testimony, the precepts, the commands, and ultimately the fear of Yahweh. It's time for professing believers in the Lord Jesus Christ to experience a a rediscovery, a recovery of the sufficiency of scripture in their lives. Another reformation is needed, and I believe in some places is happening, where we get back to sola scriptura and tota scriptura, scripture alone and totally. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to just take a look at Psalm 19. I wanted to look at Psalm 19 verses 7 through 14 and and just kind of talk through this. I'm I'm not going to go through... Uh, everything that I did in that sermon. Um, and this is not going to be a sermon. Um, uh, that There's a difference between preaching and teaching, and, and this may end up being a cross between the two. But uh, um, I-, I just want to walk through this, and I want to remind those who profess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ of what the Bible says about itself and ultimately what God says about his word. And, um, and ultimately how that should, should, should terrify us because none of us live up to the standard. All of us fall short constantly, but we need to stop and we need to think and we need to pray and we need to search the scriptures. So, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to walk through this. So if you have your copy of God's word, Turn to Psalm nineteen, um, and uh, I will be I will be reading from a, a cross in this episode between um, uh, the Legacy Standard Bible, which is the preferred translation of matter of theology, uh, the LSB, and and the New American Standard, uh, or as Daryl Harrison calls it, the non Arminian Standard Bible. Um, so I'll be I'll be kind of pulling from both of those um, with this, but um, but but just a little background real quick. Uh, Psalm nineteen is the most concise and direct treatment on the sufficiency of scripture by scripture that is found in scripture. Let me say that again. Psalm 19 is the most concise and direct treatment of the sufficiency of scripture by scripture that is found in scripture. Um, there is, Psalm 119 in the Lord's providence is uh, also about the sufficiency of scripture, but it's much longer. It's 176 verses. It's incredibly rich. Um, and um, this is a podcast podcast. Um, so, I mean, I guess you, I mean, I could walk through 176 verses of Psalm 119, but it may take longer than an episode of just thinking, which is a while if I'm going to do that. Uh, so I'm not going to do that. You're welcome. Um, and what's, what's wonderful about Psalm 19 is it's 14 verses. The first six deal with natural revelation. They deal with, with God's revelation in nature. They deal with creation. They deal with, um, uh, the 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 sun and the setting of the sun and um and and just just highlight the beauty in the, uh, that we see in in natural revelation, God has revealed Himself to all people, uh, even those with without a Bible. We see that here in Psalm 19, um, and then we're reminded of that truth in um in, in Romans chapter one. And in, in Romans one, um, we see here in verses 19 and 20, it says, because that which was known about God is evident within them for God made it evident to them more on that in a second verse 20 for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes attributes, both his eternal power and divine nature have clearly been seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. So verse 19 of Romans 1, because that which is known about God is evident within them, speaks to the Lord, writing the law of God on the hearts of those made in his image, the Imago Dei, which which, which kind of just pause here for a second. Every person, every person conceived began in the mind of God. Therefore, what I like to say, and I know Drew is with me on this, life we believe life begins at, at conception, but I think the Bible through verses like Jeremiah one five and a whole host of others through Genesis and Exodus and elsewhere, uh, Psalm 139, I think we could safely say that life begins before conception. Life begins in the mind of God before conception, predestined in the mind of God before that moment of conception. And, and by the way, everyone made in the image of God everyone's life that begins in the mind of god possesses distinct value dignity and worth therefore not only am i uh, to quote my brother owen strand here not only am i pro-life but i am staunchly anti-abortion at, as it is murder of those made in the image of god that began in the mind of god more on that topic at a later time but what we see in, in around us in creation, like right now, I'm sitting at my desk at my home, and and my desk sits in front of a window. And right now, as the sun is is beginning to, to wane and to set, um, the, the rays are just kind of you can visibly see the sun rays that are shooting across some some clouds, as and the sky is just a beautiful bright blue color. And we see that the hands of God in that, and Scripture tells us. And reveals to us that it is God who made these things. And that because of that, we are without excuse. And those who like to deny the existence of a God and existence of a creator, all they're doing is suppressing the truth. They're they're trying to hold a beach ball uh, underwater. It's just not going to work. It's going to pop up and hit them in the face. So here we get into, after the first six verses of Psalm 19, we get into Psalm 19, 7 through 14. And this deals with the special revelation, okay? And now general revelation does have its limits. It's the the Westminster Confession of Faith says this, quote, they, that being general revelation and creation, they are not sufficient to give that knowledge of God and of his will, which is necessary unto salvation, period, close quote. So we see special revelation is needed. Special revelation is needed to reveal the attributes of God and how we may know God and then ultimately how to answer the most important question that everyone made in the image of God should want to answer and that is this, how can a sinful man be made right with a holy God? So it's the Belgic Confession of Faith and Article 7 says this, quote, we believe that those holy scriptures fully contain the will of God and that what and whatsoever man ought to believe unto salvation is sufficiently taught therein. The scriptures are about God. They're they're about God. That's that's their purpose to reveal him and to reveal how we can know him. How we can know the God the creator God. And our approach To the word of God, how we view God's word as the only source of absolute and objective truth, it's foundational. It's foundational for all made in the image of God, but especially for those who have been adopted in, those who have been bought with a price, those who who have had their hearts of stone replaced with a heart of flesh, those who, who have had the veil removed from their eyes, those who were dead and have who have been brought to life, how we view the scriptures is a direct correlation to how we view God. So we need to have a high, a high view of God's holy word. So let's walk through Psalm 19, starting in verse seven. The law of Yahweh is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of Yahweh is sure, making wise the simple. Love this verse. So here we see the law, the Torah, the the didactic divine teaching of Yahweh is perfect. So this, the, the law here, it does it does a few things for us. The law of God, the law of Yahweh, it informs what we believe, our doctrine, which then should shape who and whose we are, our character. And then it it that in turn influences and informs what we do in our conduct. Let me repeat that. The law of Yahweh. It informs what we believe, our doctrine, which then what what that does is develops our who and whose we are, which is our character. And then that influences and impacts what we do, our conduct. And by the way, the word of God, the scriptures judges us in these as well. We have to remember that all scripture, All scripture is God-breathed, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is theonustos. It is breathed out by God. It is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. It's authoritative overall, even if you reject it just like gravity. You can try to reject gravity all you want. But you go outside and you throw a baseball up in the air, guess what? It's going to come down. Nothing you can do about it. And it's important to remember that while, while our view, our view of scripture can be ascribed, scripture itself has an intrinsic view and value given none other by its author. And the best proof of scripture is itself. It's literally, literally breathed out by the creator of the universe. This was the, the, core, the foundation, the linchpin of the Reformation, sola scriptura. It, it's, 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 understanding that it's under that, that we're, we're, we're able to, we're able to to see everything in perfect wisdom and discernment. I mean, it, look in the account of the temptation of our Lord. Christ himself quotes the scripture, right? Deuteronomy 8.3, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God is holy, holy, holy. He is the standard. He is perfect. And God cannot lie. Therefore, if all scripture is God-breathed, all scripture is God-breathed. God is perfect. God cannot lie. What does that tell us about the scriptures? They're perfect. They're perfect. The law of Yahweh, the precepts of Yahweh, the scriptures are perfect. They are without blemish. They're blameless, inerrant, It was Martin Luther who said they were flawless. He said this, quote, the word is flawless so that not one iota in the law or the divine promises is defective, period, close quote. And again, because our God is a thrice holy God and we see that that the scriptures are breathed out by that thrice holy God, We must understand that scripture itself is holy. Scripture itself is sanctified. It is set apart from every other piece of writing that we have had, ever had, or will ever have, period. It was John Calvin in his commentary on his sermons in Psalm 119. He said this, quote, There is so much perfection in the word of God as that nothing can be found therein, but all purity and sincerity. And to be so infallible a truth, we say it is infallible. Period, close quote. Psalm 12, six. The words of Yahweh are pure words. As silver tried in the furnace on, on the earth, refined seven times. Psalm 119, 140. Your word is very pure. Therefore, your slave loves it. Proverbs 30 and verse 5, every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. The law of Yahweh, it is perfect. It is all-sided. It is blameless. The scriptures are without defect. The scriptures are full of integrity. The scriptures are sound. The scriptures are unified. The scriptures are without blemish. Because our God is all of those things. It was Doctor Stephen J Lawson, the president of One Passion Ministries, the, the dean of the Doctor of Ministry program at the Master Seminary. He said this quote: "The holiness of God necessitates the inerrancy of Scripture." Period. Close quote. Scripture is superior in any and every way. How dare we? try to conform it to us instead of us being conformed by it. It contains all we need, all we need. Second Peter chapter one, verses two and three. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord, Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. So the law of Yahweh is perfect. Perfect. What does it do? What does it do? What is the what, what is the benefit of it being perfect? what is a benefit of it being perfect it re- it's it's restoring the soul it restores and is restoring the soul let's say it that way i love that the nasb says restores the soul the lsb says restoring the soul let's combine those it restores the soul in positional sanctification and is restoring the soul with progressive sanctification Scripture, as I said this earlier, it answers the most important question any of us could ever hope to know the answer to. How can a sinful man be right with a holy God? While creation reveals the existence, the the beauty, the majesty, the power of the creator, his word, his special revelation reveals everything we need to know about him, his attributes, and how we can know him. The Bible the scriptures, the law of Yahweh is the primary means of grace used by the Holy Spirit of God to bring about the transformation of the heart in the hearts of the elect. Romans ten seventeen. so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. The gospel of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ must be heard for one to be saved. Check out the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 15. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel, which I preached to you, which also you received in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures amen amen so how does the word of god do this we're told we're told in hebrews chapter four and verse 12 for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of the soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart the bible martin luther said this i love this the bible is alive it speaks to me the bible has feet it runs after me the bible has hands it lays hold of me So the law of Yahweh is perfect. It's restoring the soul, the soul, the nepesh, the the inner man, the internal being, the spiritual seat of a man. It's the word of God wielded by the spirit of God that saves the soul of sinners. It's what Christ came to do. It's our brother, Daryl Harrison, Dean of social media with grace to you and co-host of the Just Thinking podcast. He says this, quote, Jesus didn't come to save society. He came to save sinners, period, close quote. We get a a detailed glimpse of that, that heart surgery, that heart transformation in Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. The word of God says this, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. Amen. That's spiritual heart surgery done by the Holy Spirit of God as he wields the sword of the word of God into our hearts and what's the result second corinthians 5 17 therefore if anyone is in christ he's a new creature the old things have passed away behold new things have come ephesians 2 verses 4 through 7 but god being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our transgressions made us alive together with christ and by grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. It was Thomas Watson again who said this. He said, quote, it has changed their hearts. Some by reading scripture have turned into other men. They have been made Holy. Close quote. So here we see the law of Yahweh is perfect, restoring the soul. And we've just talked about the this, this Trinitarian work of salvation, this heart surgery, the, the new birth is wrought completely and wholly through the Holy Spirit's application of the Holy Word of God. So we see that the law of Yahweh wielded by the spirit of God is what is, 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 is what restores our soul from a positional standpoint. But then also, what the word of God does is it's restoring our soul through progressive sanctification. And we start to see David, I almost said Paul, David using this linear language and we're seeing, we're seeing this, this is not a circular text here. This is very linear and it starts to pick up speed. Check this out. Second part of verse seven, the testimony of Yahweh is sure, making wise the simple. The testimony of Yahweh is sure, making wise the simple. The testimony here, the the witness, the validation, the confirmation, the evidence, the proof of Yahweh, We, we, we see this language elsewhere in the book of Psalms, Psalm 93, verse five, your testimonies are fully confirmed. Holiness befits your house, O Yahweh, forevermore. Your testimonies are fully confirmed. So the testimony of Yahweh, it's sure. And if His testimony is sure, again this it goes. It's it's a, it's a direct reflection of how we view God. If we don't view His testimonies as sure, then we don't view Him as sure. Then we have a low view of who He is. They're sure. They are not unsure. They're sure they're not insecure. They're secure. The scriptures are not unwavering. Sorry, excuse me. The scriptures are not wavering. They're unwavering. The scriptures are not changing. They are unchanging. They are immutable. They are certain. There is zero hesitation. They are steadfast. They are reliable. They are trustworthy. God's testimony, God's word is without doubt or question. Yet, let me me put it this way. God's word is final, final. Yet we see so many today who profess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who in either word or deed or both do not believe this they don't believe it they either are searching for extra revelation or special knowledge or don't believe well okay i believe the gospels and maybe revelation you know those words in red but i don't believe the rest of it i need more uh, you know, i'm just gonna go ahead and stay open to the fact that i'm not gonna put god in a box so i'm gonna just be a continuationist because I'm just gonna keep it open Okay, more, more on keeping it open here in a second But let me just address something just and, and remind us of something, you know, second peter chapter one uh, Peter says this you know, starting in verse 16, and, and, and I love how the LSB um, uh, words this section. It's, it says, eyewitnesses of Jesus. Verse 16, Peter writes, For we did not make known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, following cleverly devised myths, but being eyewitnesses of his majesty. Let me stop there for a second. They saw it all. They saw it all, especially those whom Christ took with him up on the Mount of Transfiguration. Verse 17, for when he received honor and glory from God, the father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well-pleased they saw it they saw the the glorified christ as as jesus removed the veil of flesh to reveal his 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 body in glory and then they hear god the father say this to christ this is my beloved son with whom i am well pleased And Peter just affirms this again in verse 18. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. But then Peter says this, and this, in my opinion, this is a a knockout punch to the charismatic movement. This is a knockout punch to those who who would say that they're continuationists and still believe in extra revelation. That the canon of scripture isn't open. That the Holy Spirit can speak audibly. That uh, that you know, I want to speak in tongues. Um, you know, believing that that there are those who possess these apostolic gifts. This verse right here, along with a whole host of others that we're not going to get into on this episode, it's a knockout punch. First Peter one nineteen. They, they've seen this. They, they heard God the Father say this. And what does Peter say? And we have a more sure. We I'm sorry, Let me back up. Let me start that over again. And we have as more sure the prophetic word to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Verse 20. Know this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes by one's own interpretation. No prophecy was ever made by the will of man, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. A more sure word. These are the testimonies of Yahweh, and they are sure. What do they do? They make wise the simple. I, Brothers and sisters, I love this verse. Making wise the simple. the. There are too many professing evangelical Christians today who, who, who have said that they, they, they possess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who are so simple-minded and that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. So let's work backwards here. The simple, okay? The Hebrew word, the, 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 this, this word simple here is the Hebrew word for open door, Okay, so basically, what this boils down to is this is the undiscerning, who don't know when to shut the door of their soul, their mind, their heart. They are naive. They are ignorant. They are gullible. And we live in a world and a time where there are many who profess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who have. Open the door, keep it open, maybe cut out a wall to make the door bigger and invite in these godless ideologies, these godless speculations, these godless worldviews. There, there are many who have who have forgotten or don't know in the first place or are too cowardly to to hold fast to the perfect law and testimony of Yahweh. And they're simple. They're simple. They're naive. They're naive. Listen to what Proverbs says in Proverbs chapter 14 uh, and verse 15. Proverbs says this, The simple believes everything, but the prudent one discerns his steps. Now that was from the LSB. Listen to the way the, uh, the NASB uh, renders this: "The naive believes everything, but the sensible man considers his steps." Today's world, in today's world, to have an open mind is virtuous, right? However, according to Scripture, having an open mind when it comes to our our doctrine, our character. And that influences our conduct. Remember what I talked about before? Having an open mind when it comes to our doctrine and then that informs our, you know, feeds into our character, which which completely influences our conduct. Having an open mind is not having any discernment and that is not virtuous according to scripture. And we are seeing this and the fruit of this run amok in the whole of, of, of the professing evangelical church today. It was Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, who said this, discernment, quote, discernment isn't knowing the difference between right and wrong, but right and almost right. Discernment isn't knowing the difference between right and wrong, but right and almost right. When we seek for and yearn after and study the scriptures, the the result is, is true biblical discernment. True discernment is what the Bible produces. True discernment is what the scriptures produce, hand, hands down. And we have to remember that. We have to remember that. You know, the, the enemy, I mean, his his attack since Genesis, Genesis 3, right? The enemy's number one attack and and is that of questioning the veracity of scripture and, and deceiving and twisting the scriptures. And uh, but let's not give the enemy more credit than than we should. Um, because the heart is deceitful and wicked. And um, the book of James talks about where sin originates. And um and, and look, brothers and sisters, let, let's be honest here. We are we are prideful and given the opportunity we will twist scriptures to fit our own felt needs we'll do it a lot but that's why that's why we need to make sure that again that we're not we're not reading our framework into the scriptures but that we're constantly as a as a windshield wiper wipes the rain off of the off of the windshield when we're driving that we are constantly trying to reset that filter and gleaning our framework from the scriptures to make sure that we are holding fast to what the scriptures teach, not what we think the scriptures teach. I'm reminded of Psalm 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of Yahweh. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. You want to prosper in whatever you do to the glory of God, do it according to the word of God. Dr. John MacArthur said it this way, quote, the word of God makes the mind wise to withstand deception, able to navigate a holy life through this fallen world say it again the word of god makes the mind wise to withstand deception able to navigate a holy life through this fallen world Period. close quote in the old testament and then the whole of the scriptures being open-minded means you're ignorant you're ignorant the equivalent of what we see out of a lot of modern day agnostics Right, they pretend to be enlightened, like they have this special knowledge, they you know coexist, quote unquote. But agnostic, by the way, in the Greek literally means without knowledge. In the Latin, it means ignoramus. And scripture calls that person unstable in all their ways. So so how do we how do we fix that? Shut the door. Shut the door. What, what, what are doors used for in our homes, right? They keep the bad out, keep the good in. Okay. <laughs> I chuckle now because I, I remember my dad saying stuff like, you know, you're letting the paid for air out. You're letting the good air out and the bad air in during the summer. I laugh, but it's more than that. It's, it's you know, it's keeping unwanted guests out and it's keeping what you love in, right? It's a point of discretion. Use good discernment as far as when to open and close it. And the scriptures help us do just that. Our minds are just that. They're a door. The the, the, the heart, the inner man, right? That's a door. door. Proverbs 4.23, check this out. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Psalm 119, verse 11. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you so that the testimony of yahweh is sure making wise the simple wise is a very very rich word in the hebrew it means skilled in the art of godly living living in a way that honors and glorifies our king it living in a way that elevates truth honor virtue living in a way that 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 expresses the fruits of the spirit skilled in the art of godly living daily living holy lives Fueled by the knowledge and the application of God's holy word. Wise here is not some philosophical, intellectual, or social or sophisticated knowledge or worldly wisdom. It's trusting in the scriptures and tr- trusting in the God of the scriptures. Proverbs 9, verse 10 The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 28, 26. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely will be delivered. Amen. Amen. So what else do the scriptures do? Well, the precepts, verse eight, the precepts of Yahweh are right. They're rejoicing the heart. The precepts of Yahweh are right. Rejoicing the heart. The precepts, the statutes in other translations the commands the principles of yahweh the fixed commands the absolute objective truths of yahweh are right rejoicing the heart every biblical command is right every every biblical command and and, and precept is useful to govern uh, our character our conduct Let me change that a little bit. Let me say this. Every biblical command is right and useful to govern our character, confessions, and our conduct. They're right. It doesn't just mean the opposite of wrong. It goes further than that. They're they're straight. They're upright. They're in absolute alignment. Psalm 119, 160, the sum of your word is truth. Wow. Do we believe that? Do we live that way? Do, do we find our our only sense of hope and joy in the promises of God, in the word of God? So it says that the the the... the The precepts of Yahweh are right, rejoicing the heart. The ultimate outcome of holding to his precepts is joy, unspeakable joy, being sanctified by his word, his truth, John 17, 17, is experiencing his joy, joy that we're meant to experience regardless of the circumstance. Worldly wisdom leaves us empty. Worldly wisdom is useless and or deadly. Running towards anything other than his word is running as fast as you can away from true joy. True joy. And thank God, right? He didn't leave us just in the dark. Jesus Himself, John fifteen and verse eleven, He said, "These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full." Amen. Amen. I keep going to verse eight. I could, I could I could sit there for a minute, but let me just let me just let me just wrap up that with just saying this. If you're experiencing any sort of heartache, hardship, um, tough season, if you're not running to the scriptures, like I said before, you're running as fast as you can away from where true joy is found. Run to God. Run to his word. Okay. The precepts of Yahweh are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments, the commandment of Yahweh is pure, enlightening the eyes. The commandment of Yahweh is pure, enlightening the eyes. The commandment, the the absolute, non-optional, authoritative commandment, the absolute objective. I've said it multiple times. The commandment of Yahweh is pure. Pure. There's there's nothing purer than the commandment of Yahweh. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Martin Luther said this scripture alone is the true lord and master of all writings and doctrine on earth. And it's pure. It's clear. You may have heard of what's called the perspicuity of scripture. It's crystal clear. It's transparent. It's exact. It's sincere. The scriptures aren't clouded, muddy, or murky unless your eyes are veiled by the prince of the power of the air, unless you're dead in your trespasses and sins. For the believer, the commandment of Yahweh is pure. This is a central truth that we must remember, remember. And because they're pure... They enlighten the eyes. It was back to Dr. John MacArthur. He says this believers quote believers who grasp the truth of the Bible are the only people in the world who see things the way they really are. We have the mind of Christ period. Close quote. Psalm 119 140. Your word is very pure. Therefore your slave loves it. I read that verse earlier. Yes, there are hard truths to grasp in scripture, When we come up against those hard truths, you know what we need to do? Search the scripture. Search the scripture. Scripture interprets scripture. It was Thomas Watson who said, as a diamond cuts a diamond, so only can scripture interpret itself. For the believer, the the truths that we need to know are absolutely crystal clear in the scriptures. Nothing is clearer. So they enlighten the eyes. Again, this, this, this. There's a picture of a lamp, right? Proverbs six twenty three. For the commandment, uh, for the commandment is a lamp, and the teachings it is is light, and reproofs for discipline are the way of life. They enlighten the eyes. Scripture is called divine revelation. Second Corinthians three sixteen. Whenever a person turns. To the Lord, the veil is taken away. We we see that. We see that. Check it out. Let's look at that together. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. But just as, as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit, For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. We've been made alive through the scriptures. Whoops, hit play on the HomePod. Sorry about that. Through the scriptures, our eyes have been enlightened. We, We now see the truth. We see the truth. Now, what's the opposite of this? What's the opposite of, uh, of of having our eyes enlightened? Well check this out, Matthew eleven twenty five. And at that time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. It isn't the smartest of uh, it isn't the smartest of us, you know. Jesus didn't come to save save the the, the smartest of us. He came to sa- to save the sinners. He came to save those who who are sick. And and the scriptures tell us that his, his commandments are pure. They're pure. They enlighten our eyes. They illuminate for us the discernment needed to walk through this world. Verse nine, the fear of Yahweh is clean, enduring forever. The fear of Yahweh is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of Yahweh are true. They are righteous altogether. The fear of Yahweh. So David, by the way, David's still referring to the scriptures here, okay? And what this this kind of fear that he's referring to is that of reverence of awe, of true worship I mean, he's he's referring to to a filial fear here not not a not not a servile fear remember he's we're, we're talking about sanctification and brothers and sisters without the clear pure perfect plain power of the word of god we we wouldn't have the slightest idea of how to approach the Lord. We wouldn't. But the fear of Yahweh here is is the beginning of wisdom. And it's it's clean. It's not it's not dirty. We we, we can trust it. Proverbs nine ten, I read it earlier, the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom. We we, we can trust this fear. yet when it comes to the way that many professing evangelical christians approach the lord sometimes the fear of god doesn't look so clean in their lives we've all experienced that right you have i have but herein lies why we must stick to the scriptures when it comes to how we we approach the lord in worship and when I say worship, I don't just mean the musical section of what we do on a Lord's day, morning or evening. Um, when we say worship, I'm talking about all of our lives. The fear of Yahweh is clean. If we're living our lives in the fear of Yahweh and approaching every day, every thought, every word, every deed with the clean fear of Yahweh, that's what's enduring forever. We must be regulated by the word of God in all things so that we can worship him in spirit and in truth at all times it's his word who reveals who we are it's his excuse me let me back up here it's his word who reveals who he is it's in his word that we find who he is and when we truly find and see who he is there should be a fear there, a reverence, an awe, a filial fear of, of wanting to, to serve and honor and glorify him because we love our heavenly father and we love his, his law, we love his testimonies, we love his precepts, his commands. We love to fear God. We love to fear God. So his word reveals who he is and the details of who he is and and the fact that he is thrice holy, the one who speaks stars into existence. The scriptures are the one who reveal his perfect attributes. His word reveals to us our own state of depravity and our own need for our Lord, our Savior, His word reveals what Christ did in our place for our sin. This is the fear of of Yahweh. It's understanding that and the only time, the only time we're gonna understand that, the only way we're gonna understand that is if we are, are gleaning that and gathering that from the scriptures, from the scriptures. Now applying this to the scriptures, David said that the, that this fear is clean. And and ninety times in the Old Testament do we see the Old Testament deal with the, the subject of cleanliness. But the but the fear of Yahweh is clean. It's pure, it's without and, and, and if we, the, the the going back to what we're talking about here with the scriptures, the scriptures are clean. The scriptures are inerrant. They're without error. They're undefiled. They're free from corruption. Remember Psalm 12:6? The words of Yahweh are pure words, as silver refra- uh, tried in a furnace on the earth, refined seven times. Of course, seven, the number seven in scripture is, is a number of perfection. Perfection. Check out 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, 23 through 25. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord, the word of Yahweh, endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. That's first 1 Peter 1, 23 through twenty five. Psalm one nineteen, verse eighty nine. Your word forever is settled, O Yahweh in heaven. Mm. Scripture doesn't get out of date. Scripture's clean, enduring forever. The judgments of Yahweh are true. The judgments, the the verdict, the divine ordinances again scripture is full of, of this courtroom terminology. He holds and he, that is God, has adjudicated any and all verdicts according to the very word of God. His judgments, his decrees are right and true. His justice is right and true. His principles are absolute truth. And brothers and sisters, if we're at odds with his judgments, we cannot and will not be being sanctified by his truth. Or hope to have a Christian worldview for that matter. And aren't we seeing this today? And the Lord is, in his grace, he's revealing this for us. He's revealing this for us that we are seeing those who profess Christ, profess faith in Christ, yet clearly are at odds with his judgments and his statutes. They're at odds with the law, the testimony, the precepts, the commandments, the fear, the judgments of Yahweh. They're clearly, clearly at odds and thank god that he's exposing the wheat from the tares in that way but at the same time that that should should drive us to making sure that we are holding to the judgments of yahweh as they are true we don't get to to and i've said this multiple times we don't get to add our own ordinances or or our own frameworks to the bible we're not above scripture, it's above us. Thomas Watson, as long as we have sin in our lives, we will never be above scripture, it's above us. We must guard our hearts and minds and, and make sure that the, that the door of, of, of our inner man is, um, is, is closed to worldly frameworks, worldly standpoints, and standpoint epistemology. His judgments, not ours, are true and righteous altogether. We must keep the world's language, philosophies, analytical tools, what have you, out of our approach to his holy word. We don't add to the scriptures. Scripture is, is scripture is full of warnings, dire warnings as far as what happens to those who who add to scripture. See Deuteronomy 4 2, Revelation 22, 18 and 19, Galatians 1. We are called to do battle against those speculations check out second corinthians 10 5 we are destroying speculations and every lofty thought every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of god and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of christ that second corinthians 10 5 colossians 2 6 through 8 see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men according to the elementary principles of the world Rather than according to Christ. I'm sorry, that's just Colossians 2 8. So now what? Now what? So we see this the law of Yahweh is perfect, the testimony of Yahweh is sure, the precepts of Yahweh are right, the commandments of Yahweh are pure, the fear of Yahweh is clean, the judgments of Yahweh are true. So, how that's, I mean, we are to approach Scripture. In those ways with a high view of Scripture and then we are to hold on to as tight as we can not because we're trying to earn any kind of favor with God but because it is our desire to honor and glorify him we're to hold on to every word in God's holy word check out verse 10 they the scriptures are more desirable than gold Even more than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Thomas Watson said that Scripture is the richest jewel that Christ has left us. Do we approach the Scriptures in that way? Do we desire God's Word and time with God in His Word? more than anything else do we yearn for do we long for the presence of god the presence of yahweh through the word when we wake up every day is it the first thing we want to do before we go to sleep at night is it the last thing we want to do does your soul thirst for god As a deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. Psalm 42, 1 and 2. When faced with trial, when faced with heartache, when faced with craziness in our world when 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 faced with weeping and gnashing of teeth over the fact that that the supreme court is gonna hopefully lord willing overturn this decision that was made in roe v wade I, i mean when we see this when we go how do we respond to this is our first thought to run to scripture or the internet Is our first thought to jump on Twitter? Or does, to, to, does your soul pant and can you not wait to get your hands on your copy of God's holy, inerrant, infallible, and sufficient word? Are the very words of God the perfect, the sure, the right, the clean, the true? words of god are they more desirable to us than anything else are we regulated by the scriptures are they sweeter to us than 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 the honeycomb and drippings of the honeycomb because if they are and if we approach the scripture and constantly apply them in that way the way they were designed to be, the way that God has created them to be, the way that God has created us to be in him before the foundation of the world, then the outcome will be holiness, sanctification, and being conformed more and more into his image. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this, he said, quote, and I'm, I'm gonna read this, and then, I'm, and then I'm gonna read verse 11 here. Quote, we are warned By the word, both of our duty, our danger and our remedy on the sea of life, there would be many more wrecks if it were not for the divine storm signals, which give us a timely warning, period, close quote. And he wrote that in response to this Psalm 1911, moreover by them, your slave is warned and keeping them there is great reward moreover by them by the scriptures your slave is warned in keeping them the scriptures there is great reward what a what a wonderful reminder moreover by them by the scriptures and by 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 holding on to the the pure perfect sure um, pure clean true words of God by holding on to them as tight as we can, sticking to them, hiding them in our minds and our hearts. Your slave is warned and keeping them, there is great reward. I I read this earlier, but I'm going to read it again. Psalm 119, 11, your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Uh, proverbs 23 18 where there is no vision the people are unrestrained but happy is he who keeps the law god's word is a purifier it's a purifier so not only do we have a high view of God's holy word. Not only do we do we hold on to every word of God's holy word. Holiness holiness and sanctification is found only in God's holy word verse 12. Who can discern his errors? Equip me of hidden faults. What, man? This this question answers itself right here, right? Who can discern his errors and acquit me of hidden faults? How do we know about sin? How do we know about sin? God's law. God's law. Romans 3, 19 and 20. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed. And the world may become accountable to God because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Galatians three, 11 through 13. Now that no one is justified by the law. Let me start over. Uh, now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, for the righteous man shall live by faith. However, the law is not of faith; on the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. Christ redeems, redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, "Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree." And then Proverbs three, or excuse me, Galatians three. Uh, just skipping down a few verses. In uh, 22 and uh, through 24, but the Scripture has shut up everyone under sin, so that the promise of promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. We know about sin because of the law. And the law incites sin. It's Romans 3 through through the law comes becomes the knowledge of sin. So who can discern our errors? What can discern our sin? The scriptures, the law, We have been, we apart from Christ are still under the curse, but praise be to God for those of us in Christ, he became the curse for us. Galatians three tells us, amen. So the scriptures in, in the second part of verse 12 says that the scriptures are able to equip me of, of hidden faults, right? This, um, the, the, the unchecked sin, we right? we all have blind spots but holding on to the word sticking to the word studying the word knowing the word applying the word it helps uh, it helps kind of, it helps get rid of those blind spots it lays the scriptures lay us open lay us bare they should be sanctifying us more and more into the image of Christ and so what that does is that it, that acquits us of of these these hidden faults maybe Maybe these, these sins that, that maybe, I mean, by, by keeping, if we didn't keep and hold on to the scriptures and have a high view of the scriptures and hold on to every word in the scriptures, that man, we would be way worse off than, than what we are now. And more importantly, ah, praise be to God that, I mean, we, we, we couldn't hope to begin to even try to count, much less name, all the sin that we commit hourly Daily, monthly, yearly, um, and praise be to God for faith in Christ, who has covered those, who has covered those, and by 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 holding to the scriptures and having our our lives um, transformed, literally by the power of the Holy Spirit through weeding the scripture, wielding the the sword of the scriptures. It helps acquit acquit us of those hidden faults, but then in verse thirteen the psalmist says this also keep back your slave from presumptuous sins let them not rule over me then I will be blameless and I shall be acquitted of great transgression keep back your slave from presumptuous sins the arrogant sins sinners sin sinners sin sinners sin because they're sinners not the other way around even the smallest sin is 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 cosmic treason to a holy god but by keeping the scriptures and by 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 the, by the spirit's work through the through the life death burial and resurrection of the lord jesus christ for the forgiveness of sins the faith given the the positional sanctification we we find that even that the chief the worst of all of our sins have been forgiven and by keeping the scriptures by by holding on to and believing in the sufficiency of scripture it keeps back the slave of Yahweh from these presumptuous arrogant sins the practice of sin no true believer should be a practicer of sin will we struggle will we wrestle will we fall oh my goodness yes but by keeping to the scriptures and desiring them more than the honey and the drippings of the honeycomb even the much more much fine gold and we see that this 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 keeps us from these presumptuous arrogant sins charles spurgeon said that the it keeps us from a deeper shade of blackness the blackness of sin praise be to god for that david david prays that 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 the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Do we pray that way? Do we Do we pray to God and ask him to not be led by our sinful depravity but by the truth and the power of his word? Do we confess to him out of out of a true desire to be his slave, a slave to his word, instead of a slave to sin? Is is, is that our, is that our is that our desire? Do we desire to be slaves of righteousness, resulting in sanctification, as Paul said in Romans 6? Because if we do then, then we see a promise here. Then I will be blameless, upright, live a holy life. Does this mean that we will achieve sinless perfectionism? Absolutely not. <laughs> Definitely not. But we have been acquitted of great transgression. And that great transgression is living a life dead in our transgressions and sins living a life being in Adam and not in Christ. So what is, is there anything keeping you from this? Is, is, is studying this and thinking about this, is this um, illuminated for you, maybe any area of your life where you need to get serious about the word of God? And again, not 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 from a place of trying to earn favor with God or trying to be perfect before a holy God, because you won't. But we rest in the perfection and the perfect life of Christ that has been imputed unto us. And our desire, our desire is to obey all that He's commanded. So as I as I'm starting to, to wrap this up. Um, this is obviously not an exhaustive look at the sufficiency of scripture. Uh, it's, it's just a partial look, a concise look into what scripture says about itself. And there are just three points of, of application, kind of subpoints of application that I had with this that I think is good for all of us to remember. And number one is we want to read with fear. Number two, we want to re- read with fervor. And number three, we read with fondness so number one, we we read with fear, and this this goes back to what I was talking about earlier. In in our worship, we read the Word of God with fear, and I, I say this, and and not out of anything that that comes from Chris, but this is coming from the Word of God. Isaiah sixty six says this, thus says Yahweh, heaven is my throne and the earth is is the footstool of my feet. Where then is a house you could build for me? And where is a place that I may rest? For my hand has made all these things. Thus all these things come into being, declares Yahweh. But to this one I will look, to him who is humble and contrite in spirit and who trembles at my word. Do we tremble? at the power found in his word do we realize that that spending time in his word and having a high view of his word and holding on to every every word of his word is hearing from the very breath of god psalm 119 120 my flesh trembles for fear of you and i am afraid of your judgments do we respond when we when we read the scriptures in the way that isaiah did in isaiah 6 or that that john did in revelation 1 are we are we consumed with a with with a, with a sense of holy dread and an awareness of our depravity and a, an awareness of, of, of our need for his grace and our our thanksgiving and gratefulness for for him illuminating to us what we see in the scriptures do we remember how holy his word is do we respond in, in in a way that reflects that do we read this way do we study this way do we live this way thomas watson again quote think every line you read that god is speaking to you wow wow And so that, that should, I mean, if we think about it in that way and we approach the scripture in that way, that should drive that fear, the trembling that, that Isaiah talked about. It should. And, and because we read with fear, this, this, what this does is this drives our affection. Reading with fear drives our affection for the word. That's what it does, and so next, so so not only do we read with fear, we read with fervor, we read with wonder. We we desire everything we see in the scriptures. We desire to to know the scriptures, to impact the scriptures, to want to understand the scriptures in context. We desire to to read in such a way where we. Um, we we absolutely we absolutely read with this this awe and wonder and I can't tell you how many times by God's grace that that by digging in and unpacking and looking at the original languages and really looking at that every single individual word in the scriptures the verbs the the um, doing word studies and, and, and everything else, like the, the wonder and, and the majesty that is opened up through the word. So do we read that way? Do we read with eagerness as the Bereans did examining the scriptures daily, thinking about things through thinking about all of life through the lens of scripture? Is that what we do? is that is, is that is that how we approach how we how we live our lives as as men and women and how we live our lives as husband and wives and how we live our lives as as parents and children and et cetera, and, and people who have you know jobs and and employers and, and and I mean is that how is that what we want do we want to be regulated by the scripture is there this awe and wonder and fervor and just Just do we just get absolutely overwhelmed and excited at the fact that we get to sit down and spend time with our creator and our father? Do we get that? Do we do we do we think of as Watson said that every line that we read is God speaking to you now? be careful with that. <laughs> we aren't David in the story of David and Goliath. Uh, we aren't Noah, um, fill in the blank, but all the promises of God find their yes in Christ. And so we say, amen, we say amen. And there should be an eagerness that drives us to the word drives us to the word understanding again as second peter one says that that he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that we may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust do we approach the scriptures in that way do we i don't always i want to i want to my desire is to but I find myself just like the rest of us, right? We struggle with sin and we end up doing what we don't want to do and what we want to do. We don't do Romans seven, right? (laughs) We wrestle with that. We wrestle with that. We do. I, I wrestle with it often, but if we truly, if we truly love God, And if we truly love our brothers and sisters in Christ, if we truly want to fulfill the Great Commission, if we truly want to live lives for the honor and glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we will observe and obey and keep his commandments. 1 John 5, 2, and 3. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So do do we approach the scriptures in that way? Is there is there a a is there there a fervor and a wonder or is it burdensome? Do we view God's commands as burdensome? Do we view the command to um, to forgive as burdensome? Do we view the command to take up our cross and follow him as burdensome? Do we view the command as, as putting to death, mortifying the deeds of the flesh? Do we, do we view those commands as burdensome? Yes, they may be hard. It's hard to take up our cross and follow him. It's, it's difficult to, to die to self. It can be difficult to forgive multiple times when necessary but is there a desire to do so? His commands are not burdensome. His commands are wonderful. And if we view those commands in that way, there's a hard issue, possibly a sin issue, and at worst, there's a matter of salvation. So we read with fear. We read with fervor, and that brings brings us to a last point of application here. We read with fondness. There's a, there's a warmth found in the word of god for the child of god again thomas watson quote labor that the word may not only be a lamp to direct but a fire to warm read the scripture not only as history but as a love letter sent to sent you from god which may affect your hearts period close quote did you catch that not only as a lamp to direct but a fire to warm Dr. Josh Bice, I mean, he, uh, he reminded us, uh, there was a, I believe it was an article he wrote that he said in Psalm 119 that we see these these repeated phrases in Psalm 119 that, to revive me, give me life, spare my life, preserve my life. That's, that, that, that's some, there, there's some warmth there. And Dr. Bice said this, he said, quote, we meet God in his word, period, close quote. His word brings life. And life abundant. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, "Visit many good books. Live in the Bible." So, verse fourteen, and wrapping up here. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Yahweh. And and some have noted that they, that David was most likely he had Joshua one eight. Um, uh, and of course there weren't chapter and verses, um, when this was written. Um, but this section of scripture that, that we find in Joshua says this, the, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way, way prosperous then you will have success. Sounds very familiar, right? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Yahweh, my rock and my redeemer. Wow. So meditate, by the way, in the Hebrew, is, is a, another one of those great words that when you get into it and unpack it, it really does um, illuminate for you what it means to meditate on the word of God. It's, it's musing, it's... Um, uh, resounding, it's uh, constant, it's lingering. And, and in Joshua specifically, it literally means to moan, to growl, to mutter, to read with thoughtfulness. And, and again, I love that expression of lingering in God's word, dwelling in God's word, living in God's word. Chew on it. Dr. Stephen Lawson, again, he said this quote, every strong Christian has a strong commitment to the word of God period close quote his word is it's the primary means of of grace in our lives period period and we should be turning to it constantly all of it all of it we don't just get to be cafeteria christians as daryl harrison said in episode 106 of just thinking you know viewing the commands and scripture as a la carte and we can just pick and choose what we want to believe and then reject the rest of it nope it's all or none J.C. Ryle said this, quote, it takes a whole Bible to make a whole Christian, period, close quote. It was Paul, the Apostle Paul in Colossians 3, and two of my favorite verses in the whole of God's word, he said, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, richly dwell within you, with with all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God, verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. We live according to the word. We breathe according to the word. We think according to the word. We live according to the word. Martin Luther said, I did nothing. The word did everything we must have the highest possible view of scripture. The very breathed out word of God, the same breath that breathes the universe into existence, breathed out what we have in the holy scriptures. And what we're seeing today just highlights a need for more of a reformation. Simple referenda, always be reforming. Always be reforming. So how do how how do you view the scriptures? You know, do you just look for the words in red, as Pam Keith said, or try to pick and choose and nuance what the scriptures, the clear commands of scriptures teach? Or are you so convinced of the truth found in God's word that you can identify with Martin Luther? When he said this at the Diet of Worms, he said, quote, unless I'm convinced by the testimony of scripture or by clear reason, for I do not trust either in the Pope or in councils alone, since it is well known that they have often erred and contradicted themselves. I am bound by the scriptures that i have quoted i'm so yeah i'm bound by the scriptures that i have quoted and my conscience is captive to the word of god i cannot and will not recant anything since it's neither safe nor right to go against conscience i cannot do otherwise here i stand god help me period close quote brothers and sisters how we view the word of god how we view the word of God is being tested every single day. We have an enemy and the devil who seeks to twist and distort and to, to constantly cast doubt in our minds as to the veracity, the infallibility, the inerrancy and the sufficiency of scripture. But we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ need to stand with the confession the apostle peter it says i that we have a more sure prophetic word in the scriptures the law of yahweh is perfect restoring the soul the testimony of yahweh is sure making wise the simple the precepts of yahweh are right rejoicing the heart the commandment of Yahweh is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of Yahweh is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of Yahweh are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, even more than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the dripping drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your slave is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern hidden his errors? Equip me of hidden faults also keep back your slave from presumptuous sins let them not rule over me that i will be blameless and i shall be acquitted of great transgression let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight O yahweh my rock and my redeemer Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Matter of Theology. We appreciate you. We love you. And we'll see you next time. Good day.